Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode of the Adventure Jogger podcast brought to you by Shea Bay, Neely Spicer, Dan Shaw, Ashley Gottesart, Andrew Petty, all of our Patreon supporters, and you, yes, you, the listener. The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Adventure Jogger. Before we get to our guest, I want to invite all of you to come and jog with us. We are going to be at the Grind on the Grid Backyard Ultra. This is Saturday, April 15th. It's going to be in Vetersburg, Indiana. Vetersburg, Indiana, about five and a half hours from us here in Clarksville, Tennessee. Uh, the race is put on by a great group of guys. They're ultra runners. They're not professional race directors. It's not put on by Iron Man. It's put on by a bunch of guys who just love to run ultras. It's a true backyard, last person standing event. It is on Ultra Signup, so just go to ultrasignup.com, search Grind on the Grid Backyard Ultra. Again, Saturday, April 15th. It's in Vetersburg, Indiana, and uh, we would love to see all of you. Come come jog some miles with us, or if you hate the J word, come run some miles with us. Okay, love to see you out there. My guest on this episode of The Adventure Jogger, she is a coach. She's an ultra runner herself. She's also a race director. And our conversation is going to have you questioning your very own training, very unorthodox ideas about how to change up your ultra training. Most of us, according to Becca, are running way too fast in our training runs. We're also running way too many miles and we're avoiding something that could change our running forever for the better, but yet we never do it. We are going to take a hard look in the mirror on this episode of The Adventure Jogger at our own training with Coach Becca Jones. All right, Becca, I want to start this off by saying uh, Jeff Stafford has told me about some of the workouts that you're having him do because you are his coach, but I am not stealing any of those workouts and I am not uh, like using your plan for him for me. I want to make that perfectly clear. I'm not cheating you out of a, out of a client, okay? <laughs> okay. Um, but I did want to talk about, because some of the things you're having Jeff do are really just fascinating. And I've, I, I haven't had a conversation in a while with a coach, a certified coach about training and ways to mix up our ultra training and, and things maybe to try or some things we might be doing wrong in our everyday training. But before we get to that, I do want to give you a shout out, Becca, because I have seen you from afar 
really come up in the ultra world from someone who was like, oh, at first kind of found out what ultras were and gave some things a try and then had some spectacular failures and some spectacular efforts. (laughs) And then to turn everything around and really start dialing things in, Becca, and putting in some just incredible performances. I think about your your Cruel Jewel from a couple of years ago, and I'm like, my God, if the Becca Jones that first started ultra running could see the Becca Jones that is killing it at Cruel Jewel, she'd be blown away. And then to become a race director and now a coach, Becca, you've come so far, and I'm so <laughs> proud of you. Well, thank you. That means so much. It really does. That makes my heart so happy to hear. It has been, uh, it's definitely been a crazy journey, but it's been, uh, it's been so fulfilling and there's been a lot of, uh, growth throughout the process, but it is, it definitely started off with a lot of, uh, big failures and not knowing what I was in for. That's for sure. (laughs) Like so many of us like, Oh boy, this is going to be easy wrong was there a moment becca when you started to see progress in yourself maybe you tried something different maybe you figured a secret out that you started to see that progress and becoming a stronger better runner Uh, honestly it was john that pointed out to me that was never my intention if i'm being completely honest i run because i enjoy it and uh honestly i always avoided trying to feel competitive in any sort of way and i still do now and i think a lot of it stems from the competitive being shoved down my throat through cross country and track, which I was good at in high school, but I didn't like any of that feeling. And so even, even now I try to avoid it, (laughs) but um, he was the one that was like, Hey, like you could do X, Y, Z or run this time. Like if you tried and uh, he was really the main source for pushing me to try and run better. So, so John, I'm talking, we're talking about John, your boyfriend. Um, you're, you're, you're the love of your life, sweet John, who's your co-race director. At some point, you were like, ah, I'm just kind of doing my thing. I like doing what I'm doing. And he's like, you know what? You need to get a little competitive spirit in you because you could really start crushing some things. Yeah, that was pretty much how that conversation went. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, did, what did you think when he said that? Were you like, are you crazy? Were you Are you blinded with love? Or what were you thinking? Um... I sat there for me. I was like, I mean, I could probably do better. I was like, but I don't really want to try that hard. (laughs) Which is so awful to say, but I was like, just sounds like it sucks. (laughs) I love that the co-race director for the Tennessee mile and the mid-state mile, who has come up with something, probably the hardest 1.1 mile route in the South says, I just don't want to try that hard. This just sounds awful. (laughs) (laughs) The irony, right? (laughs) Oh, yes, the irony. Um, And, you know, I think it was like coming up on John Harden's like Music City Trail Ultra that like was the first race that I really was like, all right, well, I'll give it a little bit of an effort. And I've been doing lots of slow running and yeah. slower than I had before. Um, John was doing heart rate training at the time. So that definitely put me in that zone. And 
I mean, I ended up running like a 550 on the Music City Trail Ultra course and wow. felt fine. And I was like, holy crap. And, and so did everyone else. They were like, what have you been doing? And I was like, honestly, just running really slow. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because, Becca, so many people have said that exact same thing to me. People who have won races, people who have set world records, people have always said everybody runs too fast. Everybody does mm-hmm. most of their miles way too fast. You need to slow down. I'm even trying to tell Cohen this. I'm like, Cohen, you have got mm-hmm. to slow down on your easy days. And it's it's so counterintuitive because we think like, oh, if I'm going to run faster, I'm going to have to like train faster and run all of my training runs super fast. But yet again, here you are, evidence that we do need to slow down, don't we? We absolutely do. And to be honest, after I ran my first 50K, the thing that I realized was I ran way too fast throughout our training. Um, You know, I had signed up with a coaching group or a program through Fleet Feet. And, you know, we'd been given a plan and did group runs. And it was always supposed to be easy, but there were never any like real guidelines or anything like that. And I finished that first 50K and I went, holy crap, we run way too fast on Saturdays. But I still never dove into really what is slow, how to understand your body, your heart rate and any of those things. I was just like, man, I got to slow down. This sucks. You got to it. It was a whole slap in the face. How, well, we're talking slow. Like, let's just throw some times out there so people can get a a, a feeling for what slow really means. So before Becca started putting it all together, before John Harden started whispering sweet nothings of of heart rate training into your ear, what was your pace on most of your runs? Um, You know, I think usually on Saturdays when we all ran as a group, it was 11 or 12s. which again, it depends on your it speed is so individualized, right? right? And yeah, what yeah. slow is so individualized. So um, for some people, that's really fast, but that was faster than we should have been doing. But we were all in a group and we were all talking and no one was really, quote unquote, taking it easy. But no one was really pushing it. But we were staying in just kind of that zone that wasn't beneficial. So so let's fast forward to Becca heart rate training. Let's just say same course, same day that before you'd be running 11-minute miles. What was slow for you? Um, I think when we slowed it down, it was probably around like 14, 30, 14, you know. It, and that's with running at Percy, that which is relatively hilly. You know, right. you get 1,000 feet of gain in four miles. So it's not flat but it's also has lots of downhill, lots of runnable sections, but the, the climbs are, you know, a little longer. Yeah. So we but talk, it, it's yeah. by no means like speedy. Right. Right. Ex- exactly. What heart rate wise, like what was the goal of this heart rate training and, and where did you want to keep your heart rate at? Uh, his initially started out at below 140. And then it went on down to 130 as you progressed. That was kind of his goal. And so mine 
would definitely be significant, not significantly lower, but definitely lower than that, just because I had had more aerobic fitness, you know, and had been doing running longer. So when he was running at 130, I would be running at like 120, 115. What did that feel like the first time you went out with a heart rate strap on and you're like, okay, I've got to keep this under 120? Um, Honestly, I didn't really care. Uh, I enjoy challenging myself. There are times when it's frustrating, but, you know, it's more about like your cruising speed. And another thing on like downhill too, a lot of people run downhill way too fast and your heart rate spikes when you're going downhill rather than using it as recovery. So that was definitely, that part was challenging a little bit because at some points you were having to almost walk downhill. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because, it, you know, you're used to just kind of, oh, I'm going to crush this downhill. And then by the time you get to the bottom, your heart rate's 160, 160, you're redlining because you're like, oh, I don't want to fight gravity. This is what I'm supposed to do. So in order to keep that from happening and going too hard, you've really got to slow it down. It really helps you develop that ultra shuffle and all those slow twitch muscles that you use at mile 85. Yeah. Okay, so all this new slow miles was kind of the almost the the big oh my god shocking moment of everybody who has been saying this may be onto something. We do need to slow down. Absolutely. <laughs> it was that, but no one ever tells you what that is, you know? And I hear so often when people are like, well, I run ultras, I run this, but I run slow because they feel like if they're not at the front or at the, you know, on the podium, then they're a slow runner. But even still, they might be running too fast for what they quote unquote call their slow pace. Right. Because it, it, and I've heard too, the science behind that is if you're always running hard, your body can't prepare itself and can't be ready for the real hard efforts when you that's where you see your growth did you put mm -hmm. speed work and hill work into those into those training blocks when you were just doing a lot of slow miles i didn't necessarily do speed work and i should have but i did hill work instead and mm -hmm. did a lot of hill repeats and a lot of sprinting but i could tell if i ran a course that was a little flatter or went to a race that would have five and six mile stretches that were really runnable that my leg turnover and leg fatigue was a little bit higher. So I was like, okay, I need to hit the greenway some and I need to get long stretches with leg turnover and I need to get back on the track. So I did show up a few mornings and do some uh, tardigrade workouts with uh, John Harden and his crew. But um, I did not do as much as I should have. <laughs> <laughs> that would come later. <laughs> At what point in this journey, yeah. Becca, did you decide, you know what, I, I want to be a coach and I want to start helping people achieve their goals? You know, it was something I always wanted to do, even when I first started the training program with Fleet Feet. And I actually mentored in their training program for like three years mm -hmm. and we would do a, a fall and a spring and I really loved helping people, but I guess I never felt like I would have the skill or what it took to be a coach mm -hmm. 
you know, there was a, and even starting out, there was a lot of that imposter syndrome. I just knew I was really passionate and I could really absorb information, but I also understood that I had a very different outlook than everything that I heard on the podcasts that were out there and all the different things that I read. And I was like, I feel like I'm so outside of what everyone's pushing that no one will ever listen to me. Well, we'll we'll expand on that a little bit. So when you say you're feeling different than what you're hearing on podcasts, which I'm sure mine was included, um, what are those things that you felt (laughs) made you an outsider, the beliefs in, in running and training? Uh, you know, one, no one ever really talked about heart rate a whole lot. It was just in, in general and, and fast and slow. And um, another thing was back-to-back long runs. You know, I was never a fan of back-to-back long runs. And I I have them in some plans sometimes, depending on what's coming up. But it's not usually that second day is a ruck or something that's a little bit more low-intensity or a walking practice. Like that's another big thing. Like we would practice walking and could get down to walking at like a 13 and a half minute mile, but no one's talking about how important walking is in an, in ultra training. That's so true. So that was another thing. (laughs) Like, you know, you walk or hike. If you look at a hundred miler on average, probably 25 to 30 miles of that for the average runner. I'm not talking about like people who are going out and, running a ton and coming in at the front of the pack, a lot of it is hiking. If you count all the uphills and you count the late miles and no one really talks about that, they're just like, Oh, my race fell apart at mile 70. And no one really talks about, well, why did that happen? What, what could you have done to prepare your body for those last 12 hours? Um, That was always my interest and focus. And it was just kind of, it seemed like it was expected that that's just how races go and that you can't prepare for those last 20, 30 miles. You're right. So it's just kind of, let's prepare you for the first 70 and then we'll just, when you blow up, we'll just see what happens after that. Yeah, pretty much it. um, And you would read it and hear it. in a lot of people's race reports, they're like, Oh, it was great for the first 40 miles or up until about mile 60. And it's like, well, you weren't running a 50K or a 100K. Like, why are you PRing things in the beginning? That sounds stupid. Like, I don't, in my head, that's what, like, when I would listen to him, why are you running faster than is sustainable? Was always like, I don't know. No, no, I, I, I feel you. It's interesting you say these things. And you're right, because people don't talk about walk training. You hear people mention it briefly, but it's a lot of speed and hills and base building and that sort of thing. And so your focus is heart rate training, training your body to run at a low heart rate and, you know, um, not maybe so much on back-to-back long runs, which is funny because Camille Heron, and, and I'm paraphrasing here, she made a post on Twitter that blew everybody's mind about she is not a back-to-back long-run person. She's not even really seems to be a long-run person. She's really into consistently, you know, putting a workload on your body where she's doing like maybe 15 miles a day every day, and there's not a whole lot of mm-hmm. long runs in her plan or any back-to-back long runs at all. I think she said that she really only runs occasionally. She'll run 30 miles or something, but she never really does anything that terribly long. Yeah, I did see that. I didn't really get to dive into it that much. And, you know, she is 
she is incredibly gifted, but I do think that there's a lot that that. And I do think sometimes we spend way too long for long runs on our feet where it actually can have a negative impact. And that's why I'm not a big fan of back-to-backs. Again, I do think that they have their purpose, but I would prefer a two a day or a long, low intense, low intensity day, mm-hmm. and then followed by a ruck day. Okay. Personally. Gotcha. So you, you're, you're, you're doubting yourself. I'm sure John never doubted you. I'm sure John's there going, no, 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 no. This is going to work. Just hang in there. He's your little voice of confidence in the background. But um, when you start seeing, okay, you're putting yourself out here. I'm going to be a coach. I'm going to help some people, but I'm telling them some things that they're probably not going to like. When you started getting clients, what were their reactions to you saying like, you better get a heart rate strap because you're going to be running slow with a very low heart rate. <laughs> Uh, you know, everyone's really willing to try it until they actually have to try it. (laughs) (laughs) And I am very clear that that's my philosophy. And if you train with me, that's, that's what we're working towards. And I have several articles that I tell you to read. Some people read them. Some people don't, uh, that explain all the science and lay it all out. And I tell them, in our initial conversation and throughout, it takes about four to six weeks before you really start seeing that number come down. It depends on your level of fitness going in, uh, your aerobic capacity at that point. Yeah. And everyone's like, okay, okay. okay." And then those first couple, they're like, I'm walking downhill and and they're frustrated. I'm like, I know, I know it sucks. I promise. I know it sucks. It sucks so bad. And I, I tell them out the gate. Your ego is going to take a huge hit. It's going to be miserable, but you will learn so much patience and your body will adapt. And if you don't have the patience to do that in a two hour run, I don't know what you think you're going to do at a race when it all goes to crap or you're moving slow. I mean, if you, if you don't have it to suck it up and do 15 minute miles, like those late miles when you're hiking around and doing 18 and 20 and 22 minute miles, it's really going to wreak havoc on your mind. Okay. We got to be, have a moment of honesty, Becca, which <laughs> uh, you're out of your clients that are like, Oh, I can't run this slow. Are most of those men? Uh, yeah, at first. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I just, I look at yeah. the ego. I didn't I, think about it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's probably, like women don't give a shit what's on their Strava. Like there's no one going, oh God, this workout's going to look horrible on my Strava. But guys got to be like, you know, there's dudes that are going to be checking out my Strava and they're going to see 15 minute mm-hmm. miles. They're going to be laughing at me. This is going to be hard. It's hard to get over your own ego and especially hard for, and I say this as a man myself, it's hard to get through and past your ego sometimes. Oh, it is. And I think that goes to whoever, but it definitely, um, I, I saw that, I see that in the guys initially, but they actually adapt a little bit quicker. And, um, as far as like being okay with it, you know, like there's, there's been a few women that still complain a little bit longer and they're like, I just feel slow and I feel like I'm not getting anything, but yeah, it's, it's all individualized, but definitely more on the men's side. Gotcha. Okay. So this is impossible. <laughs> be, be patient. It takes four to six weeks for your body to adjust to this and, and, to, and to move forward. Um, but you're, you're right. There are 
there's science behind what you're saying. It's just our egos that have us ignore the science because we want to run fast every single day. And the hard thing is, too, if you run with running buddies that are faster than you normally, it is hard because you want to hang out with your friends and then, you know, you don't want to be stuck minutes behind them. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it's, you know, a lot of us do this to be social and Mm -hmm. it's easy to get caught up in it. I mean, but if you see me at a group run, I'm always at the back. Yeah, you will rarely ever see me up front. And if I am up front, I am running so slow that I am sure they are ready to get around me. (laughs) Uh, When we do a group run, I try to make sure that from if I'm in the front, like I can hear everyone to the back. Mm -hmm. Like that's how easy we are running yeah okay all right becca said it everybody we gotta slow down and i know this is probably the 10th person you've heard say this on the adventure jogger but we all need to slow down damn it it's time to slow down our training runs becca something else that you've learned through coaching those those slow runs great we're all putting that into our quiver of tricks and I don't want you to give everything away. I want people to listen to this podcast and go like, ooh, Becca sounds like she knows what she's talking about. I, I want to be one of her clients. And we'll give that, just give that information right now in case anybody's interested. How can somebody get a hold of you to, to, to have you be their coach? Uh, social media, you know, little Becca B on Instagram, Becca Jones on or. Becca MF Jones on Facebook or bmfjevents.com. We also have lots of information there and a way to contact us. All right, good. Reach out and get in touch with Becca. All right, something else that you've learned that you put in your ultra bag of training tricks that you like to incorporate uh, not only in your own personal training, but in your clients' training as well? Uh, Lower mileage. Oh, quality mileage and strength training. You are controversial, Becca Jones. Lower mileage, strength training. Are you even a runner? People are going to (laughs) are going to crucify you for saying those things. So when you say, well, we're going to start with lower mileage. Becca Jones, when you say lower mileage, what what do you mean by that? You can successfully and strongly run 100 miles, just averaging 30 miles a week. What? What? Yes, I know. It's freaking crazy. <laughs> so, so, Becca, how, like, that's that sounds crazy. 30 miles a week to be able to do a 100-miler decent, to not be in miserable pain for 99 of those 100 miles that also has to be just a shock for people to be like, baby, you are, Becca Jones, you are crazy. Yeah, and oftentimes I see people run way too much. And you know, that year of cruel jewel that you were talking about, I averaged 20 miles a week. What? That was it. Only 20 miles. I had a 50K as a long run and I think a 50 miler uh, probably three months out before that. But no more than 20 miles a week. Becca, you took second, I second, right, in Cruel Jewel that year? Yeah. You took second in one of the toughest 100-mile races on the Beast Coast, running 20 miles a week. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, that was uh, and, and John was the one that totaled up my miles. He went through my Strava, and there were some miles I probably only put out like fifteen miles. But I was, I did a lot of strength training, and the miles I did do were a lot of climbing, a lot of, a lot of up and down. Okay, so let's let's like take a look at that week. Your typical week for training for cruel. Let's oh, let's just get get your cruel jewel training. That is your secret sauce. You save that for yourself. So you're looking at a, you're you're talking to a client. They want to run a hundred miles. Maybe they've done it a couple times before, and you're giving them this average of thirty miles a week in training. What does that weekly mileage look like? Um, so say we're looking at, you know, 30, 40 miles, we'll have a long run. We'll have, uh, another easy run. So definitely two easy runs, Mm -hmm. a hill work day and a speed work day, or maybe two hill work days. It all really depends on what they're looking at, but I try to keep it four days a week of running. Okay. So four days a week of running and your long run is probably what? 15 miles for the longest. Uh, yeah, 15 to 18. It depends on the person and the, you know, the race. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. And I'm sure you have, again, some resistance to that lower mileage. But what are people saying to you when they complete their race and they they, they do better than they thought they would based on that low mileage and that slow low mileage? <laughs> they love it. They're excited. And it's it has been so exciting for me to hear people when they first come to me and they go, I'm struggling with all these stomach issues at these races and I'm feeling trashed at the end. And I, you know, it makes me miserable and I just don't think I'm ever going to be good at this. And when they go through our program and then finish their races and they're like, I feel so good. I felt like I could have done more and, you know, we'll do some, some training races and stuff like that. And it's like, Oh, I feel amazing. I can't wait for my race. And that's, uh, that's, it, it reassures me that like this works, I know it works, but to hear it and to hear people who go from throwing up at mile 15 and can't get through a 50 K to finishing a 50 miler feeling fantastic and excited about moving on and moving up in distance. It's, it's pretty cool. Everybody's standing on the shoulders of giants, even myself. I've said that numerous times. Who were your coaching heroes or athletes that were kind of preaching this gospel of of uh, short, short miles, low miles, and slow miles, low, slow miles that people just weren't paying attention to, but you saw them and said, I think there's something going on here. Honestly, I was talking to just a lot of OGs in this like old school ultra runners and people probably 50 and, and up, honestly, it, I loved following Sally McRae's like journey, but I'll be honest. I don't look to a lot of pros and elites for advice or mm-hmm. any inspiration. I find the people that come from the back of the pack or mid pack, the most inspiring. So, and the people that have been doing it forever, like that's also, I want to be doing this when I'm 80. So I want to talk to the people who have been doing it for 20, 30 years. So you were hearing from these old timers, these old school ultra guys and gals that were like, you know what? The things that you younger folks are doing wrong are you're going too fast and you're running too many miles. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) 
Okay. All right. So far, so good, Becca. Now, here comes uh, going to be the hardest part. This, this may be even harder, Becca, than telling people to slow down and to run less miles is going to be going into that weight room and doing strength training because there's nothing we hate more than slower miles and lower miles than strength training. Talk about that. Oh, yeah, that is that is such a topic for people. And honestly, they don't even have to get in a weight room. You can do body weight exercises, and those make a huge difference in your performance. The biggest thing, especially for trail runners and females specifically, is strength to power ratio. And I think that's why I had such success at Cruel Jewel was I had put on a lot more muscle mm-hmm. and, you know, had strong aerobic capacity, but you know, there's so many things you can do just in your living room and around the house and people just, I think they avoid strength training because they think they have to get into a gym. Right. You know, uh, and it's intimidating. Well, even I get intimidated every, whenever I step into a gym, you know, you always feel like people are watching. You always wonder if you're doing something wrong and it doesn't matter how experienced you are. It's something about that setting that, I think can just feel slightly overwhelming. Absolutely. So, You're right. It oh, is so sorry. hard. No, it's so hard to go into a gym because especially if you've, you've not been in there, it's so intimidating. You don't see the, you see these weight machines and you see these things and you're like, Oh God, I don't even know. This is all a whole lot of stuff. You talk about body weight exercises um, and strength. You said strength to power ratio, kind of expand on strength to power ratio. Um, so male runners in general have a lot more, what you call absolute power. Just you have more muscle mass, your bone structure, your muscle structure is all different through puberty and testosterone, you know, it enhanced that. So you naturally have just more power that, which comes into play a lot more like flatter surfaces, a little bit smoother courses. But for most of us that are doing ultras rerun trails and trails have a lot more hills. So you want more muscle and more strength to be able to propel you up the hills and to control your body weight coming down. Okay. Just, just simplifying that there's a lot more to it, but that's just as simple as, as I can put it. Um, so the better your strength to power ratio, the faster and more efficiently you will move across, um, up a grade and across uneven terrain. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Um, you said some exercises like you do not need to go into a gym to do strength training for running. And you sounds like you said that, and correct me if I'm wrong, you don't really even need any equipment to do some strength training. You can do it all through body weight. Yes, you can. Um, I do recommend if you can get into a gym or listen, do it to it. The even that's better, but, uh, there's still so much you can do with a weight vest or dumbbells at home or no equipment whatsoever. Resistance bands are an incredible, incredible tool in the training for cruel jewel that I did. You know, I also have a cleaning business, so I would wear resistance bands at work. And on some of the smaller floors that I could do, I would put like little scrubbers on my feet and would slide across the floors and do exercises while I mop the floors. But I would spend, you know, six to eight hours a day wearing resistance bands and ankle weights and sometimes a weight vest. Um, 
so you can just do that stuff around your house. I mean, really, EDPs or even at work. Yeah, even at work, you can put on ankle weights and do leg exercises, seated marches. You can build hip strength and leg strength just sitting on your butt if you're willing to be innovative and just do a little extra work. All right. One of the workouts, and that's, but that, you know, that really does break it down. I mean, because so many of us have jobs and we're at our desks all day and that if they're just having some ankle weights on and doing some marches while you're at your desk doing whatever you do, using that as strength training, it's kind of hard to have an excuse to not do that kind of stuff. One of the things you talked about, about resistance bands, uh, I know Jeff told me he had to go out and buy some resistance bands because one of the workouts you had him do, which I thought was really interesting was a resistance band around the thighs and then like like walking, power hiking up a, a, a full incline on a treadmill one way and then walking backwards down it with that resistance band another way. That was a really interesting workout you had him do. Yeah, that is one of my favorites. You know, you're simulating going uphill and downhill and engaging all of those climbing and descending muscles, but with little to no impact. So, I mean, you know, you can't always get outside. So that's another like little good one. And for anyone that can get in a gym too, I would always do resistance bands on the stair climber. So resistance bands are life. So are we put them around the thighs, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, around the thighs. Okay, everyone go out and order your resistance bands on Amazon and start incorporating those. Um, I know um, weight vest too. I've, some people like to run with the weight vest. What are your thoughts on that? I know there's two schools of thought on that. Um, one of them being it's too hard on your joints. What do you think? If you keep the weight light enough, I have one that I occasionally run in, but if I'm running in it, I'm usually running hills mm-hmm. and I'm running up and then slowly jogging or hiking down. So it's not a whole lot of impact. Um, a lot, it can be tough on you if you are not efficient and if you are a hard runner, but if you are really cognizant of your form and your gait and your efficiency and make a point to run light, that's another thing that runners should work on is the midfoot strike is the most efficient for ultra running and it's actually the most impact resistant and the most shock absorbent for your body. So if you are focusing on that, it's not as bad to run in it, but some people also make the mistake of using too much weight. So there's also that it's not getting too aggressive with it. Okay. All right. Talking about stride and changing your stride that, that can't be easy either. How do you get people to that are four foot strikers or heel strikers? How do you get them to learn? How do you get the body Becca to learn to run with a midfoot strike? Um, One, it takes effort, but also the slowing down, having to slow down kind of naturally pushes you towards that because you stop striding out in front of you or stop striding out. Yeah. Yeah. In front of you, trying to like pull your body forward rather than you pick up your cadence and your feet are underneath you and your hips and your ankles and everything is propelling you forward rather than you digging forward. So that natural slowdown using the heart rate training kind of facilitates that on its own okay all right um what the, with the heart rate training real quick i don't, I don't want to lose this before i i get go to another train of thought 
I, I've, there's a lot of schools on heart rate training. Are you kind of, I know a lot of people say your 180 minus your age is kind of the sweet spot. Is that kind of where you go? Um, honestly, I have just kind of standard numbers, like starting off, we'll start off around like 140, 130. It, it does depend on age, but so many of so many outside factors impact your heart rate, like gotcha. your sleep quality, your amount of stress, your hydration level, your age. We found staying below 140, getting used to it, it's usually a pretty good range. Again, still depending on your age, but staying right. below 130 keeps you in that sweet spot. Like that 130, 125 is the sweet spot for almost everybody. I mean, unless you get in a, a lab, you yeah. don't, those numbers are, you're never going to get anything exact. It's right. You know, and people do criticize it because they're like, well, it should be rate of perceived effort. And like, they're about the same range. They really <laughs> are. And if you are used to going hard, then your rate of perceived effort, you trained to not for that, not to feel hard. So you're probably going too hard based on, your body is giving you your heart rate, but it doesn't feel hard. So mm -hmm. that can be misleading. That's also not exact. Neither okay. of them are exact science right. unless you get into a lab and gotcha. get real tests done. Gotcha. Okay. Something else I wanted to talk to you about, Becca, is a lot of us, myself included, you get st stuck in a rut. You get the same routes that you always do. You do the same routes, the same speed, the same distance, and your weeks look like Groundhog's Day. How do you incorporate fun into your training? Uh, I have some different workouts I throw in. And I also do about every three weeks, you get like a dealer's choice. Like on a recovery week, you get to mix it up a little bit. Uh, the intensity for a couple of the workouts is a lot less. And you usually only have about three runs that week and your long run is up to you go play and have fun. But I also try to keep this. I have several different speed workouts and different types of hill workouts that I incorporate into everything. So we do enough so you can see progress, but so you don't get sick of the same workout. Gotcha. Okay. Cause I know that can be, but I think if you have a different workout or at least your, your weeks look different, you're not doing five of the exact same week. Maybe you've got you know, one week and then you see that similar week five weeks from now. But just, and you, do you find that when, because a, a, a lot of us don't incorporate speed work, a lot of us don't do hill work, we just do a lot of just running. I would think that mixing it up a bit is probably good at avoiding burnout as well. Oh, absolutely. And it is good to see the people that, hated some of the workouts when they first started they're like i don't do hills well you're doing hills now so <laughs> you know <laughs> like i don't know what to tell you and they're like well i don't have hills what do you have a gym make make friends with the stair climber and i have workouts for stair climbers and everything else so it's like all right well all you have is stairs or all you have is uh a parking garage or a bridge we'll get creative with it wow <laughs> so, uh, no excuses. Don't bring your excuses. I'm in Florida. There's no hills. Becca Jones will find you uh, some hills and, and get you where you need to be. A lot of stuff to think about um, and a lot of interesting ideas about training. Again, I've heard people, and it's funny that I've, it, it's from, from elite athletes to whomever who always say slow down, 
but we never, ever do it. I never, ever slow down because I'm like, eh, I got to get fast. If I want to get fast, I got to run slow, right? And it doesn't make sense if you want to get fast. You don't have to run fast. If you want to get fast, you got to run slow. Yeah, it is very counterintuitive. I will tell you another thing that adds a lot of speed to your running is strong feet and ankles. And and people overlook that all the time because again, it's not glamorous. It's that doesn't look as fun on the Instagram reels, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> that's that's another way to really uh, up your game when it comes to running. You know, that was another thing I do attribute to my success at Cruel Jewel and just a, a change in my training was I started doing a lot of my runs in these zero shoe sandals. Cause you know, I like to run in sandals. If I'm wearing shoes, I'm wearing ultras, but yeah. I love my Tiva sandals for the longer races. Uh, but those zero shoes, I, uh, and I stumbled on that by accident. And I will say, first off, they are not for the faint of heart. And you will learn really quick how inefficient you are and how much you beat up your body and how much shoes shield you from that. Your first few runs in those. Really? Holy cow. Oh my God. It's miserable. Uh, yeah. You figure out on the downhills, like how you have to be the most shock absorbent. Otherwise you will hurt really. You will jar yourself to death. Uh, on a long run, but I uh, showed up to do like a stair workout that my friend was putting on. You know, we have the Percy Warner stairs. Yeah, they're at fourteen percent grade average. Anyways, we we're doing a workout, and I forgot shoes, and all I had was my flip flops, and my flip flops kept flopping when we were going down the stairs. Yeah, so I took them off, and I ran the stairs barefoot. And I could hardly walk for three days because my feet and shins and calves, my calves, especially everything was so sore. And I realized that there are all these muscles in my feet that I'm not using at all. And I was like, that was mind blowing. I was like, I'm strengthening all these suckers. Like this has to, this is crazy. So I bought a pair of those and I've done most of my training in those. Is that the only way you can strengthen your feet and ankles is by do by getting a shoe that's less of that's got less cushion? Uh, no, you can. There's lots of different foot exercises, ankle exercises, and things that you can do. Again, you can do those sitting on your ass watching Netflix. Like you can you can do that in your living room and everything else. Aaron Dana does also train in uh, those sandals he went out and got himself some not too long ago. So that's another easy way aside from doing stuff at home, but just log in a few miles in those. Okay. And just start, if you are going to incorporate these in your training, you don't run all of your, your runs in these shoes to start off. You maybe do a mile or two of these. Yeah. You really, really want to ease into it for sure. Uh, I would not recommend going all in for at all (laughs) that's a good way to get hurt for sure uh but even still do the workouts at home i do some stuff on our my running together page and i did not put it up this monday oops but um that's a, a body weight exercise for or body weight exercise routine for runners i only have like there's five moves and it's done three times a week and those are like, if you're going to do anything, do these things. All right. What are so, they? What are they? Just let us know. What are these five oh, moves we have to do? 
Well, I mix them up. It, it's it's I mix it up through different exercises. Okay. But that's like it's five moves. You do a few sets. Oh. It's easy peasy, but they will also kick your butt. Okay. But it takes about twenty minutes. Okay. So so you can find these workouts on your and these are these are for everybody, right? Yeah, yeah, these are free. Uh it's on Instagram. It's called Running Together. Me and Meg Landy Moore started it. Oh, very cool. Uh she's been kinda in, in her she's she's stepping back a little bit because she's got a lot going on in her life and her business. But that was a page we started a couple years ago and uh just putting out free information, you know, mm-hmm. like there's, we don't do like videos or anything like that, but I also have a group on Facebook that it's running together and I post all that to that as well. Very good. Very, very cool. Some interesting things to think about, Becca. You really, uh, if, if even some of people are saying like, she's crazy, other people are saying she's a genius. Hopefully someone takes something from this and changes their training routine and maybe experiences some really great races and some breakthroughs in 2023. Speaking of which, as a race director, um, who you really have found a gem in this in this Tennessee mile. If people have not done any races out there on your dad's property, they need to because it really is a fun experience uh, and really is kind of holds the spirit of the ultra community really well. You're branching out. You've got some new races coming this year. Do you want to talk about those? Yeah, and and thank you so much for. All that, that that really means a lot. Uh, you know, Mid-State and Tennessee Mile are really special to us, and it is the community that makes it what it is. We just host some races on a little mile. But uh, no, we've been but building more a new than trail. That. And, and and I wanted to say that <laughs> you, you, what what you have when you what you and John have done for my son is something that I can never say enough kind words to you about, and I can never properly thank you. Um, what you guys have done is, is incredible and just it means so, so much to me how you have welcomed him into the community and how you have really just encouraged. And I mean, you guys have like he, he loves you guys and you've done so much for him. And I, I can't, again, say enough of enough thank yous for what you've done for just my son. Oh, well, thank you. Cohen is a wonderful young man. And, you know, he. He created that experience through being him and connecting with those people out there and learning from those around him. So you have raised a fine young man. Well, thank you. I'll make sure his mother knows because she did most of the work. So <laughs> 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 oh, that's so funny. Um, so out there, we're building some more trail and we're doing big owls, two hundred and one hundred in March. Um, and that's my dad is Al. Yeah. So it's, you know, in honor him. But, uh, you know, we really wanted to expand some of the trails out there and have some stuff that's not as intense as the murder mile. <laughs> we call these manslaughter miles. <laughs> so a little less severe. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's it's crazy, but it's still this a lot of the same gain. I mean, you end up with close to the same numbers, but this will have some switchbacks and some easier trails. And we're giving, uh, I think, like six days for the 200 and 72 hours for the 100. And it'll pretty much be self-supported. You can set up through the field. You can come and go throughout the time. That's allotted. You know, just yeah. let us know if yeah. you leave. So basically, you can go to work, come run go to bed and then come back. You know, you could break it up however you yeah. need to that, which we thought was 
a unique way to do it. Yeah. Um, and we will make breakfast and dinner. So everything else is on you, but we will give you two meals a day. Okay. All right. Good. Good to know. And Jeff told me there's something about some some navigation involved in one of your upcoming races. We are wanting to put on a little orienteering style race. Um, and we still have to put the, the details together oh. for that, but I think that would be a fun little thing to do. Um, and even if it's not an official event, if it's just a fun weekend to get some people out there. So if anyone is into orienteering or that style of uh, having to navigate around those Hills a little bit, feel free to reach out. We'd love to put something together. I think it would be fun to watch them wander around the woods. <laughs> get lost in my case. Get so, so lost. <laughs> be a good time we would still like to do a paintball event like a paintball race battle i don't think john wants to do that i want to do that i want to do like a nighttime thing uh with teams and run and paintball each other but that would be a lot of fun that absolutely be a lot of fun okay so i've i've hit the coach and the race director part of your plans what have you got ultra wise on your schedule for 2023 um, uh, cruel jewel 100 again, mm-hmm. that will be my first big goal. Um, probably be at music city. I've got a 50 miler this weekend just for fun. I haven't really picked anything out fully to commit to, to the fall yet, but I would like to do another hundred and probably go after a 200 again. Uh-huh. So we will see. All right. Best of luck to you, Becca Jones. And thank you for for laying out your wisdom on this episode of The Adventure Jogger. <laughs> well, thank you for uh, letting me share. I like unconventional things and thinking out of the box, so it's always nice when I get to put that out there. All right, how many of the following ideas are you going to incorporate in your training? Are you going to go out your next run and try and keep your heart rate under 130 beats per minute? I tried it. It is not easy. It's a little frustrating, uh, but go ahead. Hopefully, you've learned some things on this episode you can incorporate into your training and turn it into a awesome 2023. Theadventurejogger.com is our website. But again, if you want to join us for some miles, April 15th, Vetersburg, Indiana, Grind on the Grid Backyard Ultra. It is on Ultra Sign Up. We will be out there. Come on out there. Uh, jog or run some miles with us it is a last person standing it's four point something miles every hour on the hour it's going to be a whole lot of fun again ultrasignup.com grind on the grid backyard ultra uh you can go ultrasignup.com go get signed up and then go to the adventurejogger.com and go get your adventure jogger race team shirt those are available also adventure jogger joggers and the new race team hoodie all at the adventure jogger Dot com and there's back episodes on there as well you can check out and get caught up we are 100 listener supported you can make a monthly pledge on our patreon page just search the adventure jogger on patreon or go to the adventurejogger.com join the community on facebook and instagram by searching the adventure jogger and subscribe to the adventure jogger wherever you get your podcast so you don't miss a single episode 